fact, where's Wally works really well, well doesn't where it? Where on earth is Hugh? Where is the Wally? It's where, it's where he tells us he is. Is he actually there? Because he says he goes off and does these big radio shows with people yeah. that we've heard of. Have does you heard, have you no, heard and why, why would I listen to him? Why? He, he's different on Radio 2. Is he? Yeah. It sounds like, for a start, he's not topless. Really? Whereas we know Hugh is normally topless. He when is, he yeah. 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 He, he is with Radio 2 this week, and he is pretending that's the reason he's not here. But the real reason is because you know he's not even the most talented member of his family. Of course, yes. Oh, yeah, Neil is, Neil's got a big gig. His older brother was conducting at the proms last night, as we record. So uh, Hugh and Gemma went to, uh, went to watch that. Quite right, too. He was moment for Neil conducting Ferris. the orchestra, not, not lightning. Yes. yes, yes. So I he's don't a, think they put him on top of the Royal Albert Hall and no. spread his arms out wide. I mean, it's a possibility. It depends how the problem We could do really. that with Hugh, couldn't we, on a very stormy winter night and see whether he does conduct... What do you think? What it's a worth great, a try, isn't it? What a it? great double that would be. Neil Ferris conducts the orchestra yes. and Hugh Ferris conducts lightning. That would that's work. the way it should be. That's the that's natural what, order of that's things. That's what people want to see. Mm. At least they're both involved. Both get their big moment on the big well, yeah, stage. Yeah, I mean, also, it's, I mean, it'd be nice for Hugh not to be overshadowed by his infinitely more talented brother. This is Set Piece Menu, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. Joining me, Stephen Wyeth, are Rory Smith, a distinguished football writer who has not already seen off a football manager this season, and Andy Hinchcliffe, a distinguished former player and now pundit, who has, like the grim reaper of the gantry, already seen off a football manager this season we might have more of that later Stephen in Chinch's soccer story but again we'll just leave that we'll just leave that dangling is this poor Jan Sievert yeah I was going to say is Chinch's dangler Jan Sievert is that what is that what he's it looks similar but no 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 it isn't it isn't Football well, managers across the land now uh, are going to be distraught by the sight of Andy Hinchcliffe walking through the tunnel before the game mm. because if Sky have dispatched him there then it can mean only one thing this is a must win or they are oot and there was only one person that could go on TV to talk about the decision that had been made, and that was me, the Grim Reaper. That, I'd, I'd quite like a curse of Hinchcliffe. That would be good. Really? That would be welcome, yeah. If, if maybe the first three months of the season you happen to go to games that where four or five managers get sacked and it becomes a thing, ah, I'd like that. Okay. Yeah. Because I was there for... I'm not entirely blameless. because so it could be you. I was, I was there for Five Live, and one of the highlights of the evening, having waited around for the... 80 minutes after the game when uh, the, the obvious conclusion was reached and the announcement was made that Jan Siebert was no longer the Huddersfield manager is that no one from the club was doing any post-match interviews, not even for Sky. So Sky's reaction to this uh, monumental decision came from... Well, you, but you look around the John Smith Stadium. Who can give us an interview, an in-depth, insightful interview on the shattering events after losing 2-1? to Fulham it has to be me it's not going to be you Steve is it clearly not well, you, you had to go elsewhere you rushed off if you're looking for after the decision was made I noticed you scarpered pretty quickly as well were you involved in the decision to oust him because I, I funnily enough I didn't see you when I came back out from doing my interview what happened I was there but I was not actively involved oh we've heard that before yeah. I was going to say if you're looking for someone who's played in Yorkshire for a team in blue and white stripes Chinch is one of several hundred people who is eligible. It's the natural choice. Andy Booth was unavailable. I'd been in the tunnel for about an hour when Chinch and uh, his commentating partner, Gary Weaver, finally sauntered in after the oh, game. No, that's not true. Where have you guys been? We were, wait- we were waiting to hear from Jan Sievert. Yes, we were. The guy has been eating his final meal for the last We didn't know minutes. that. We didn't know he was on the Kentucky Fried Chicken and the Chocolate Milkshake, did we? We were up on the gantry waiting for him to come and speak to us. So we wait up... In the nice weather, because we've been chucking it down all night. We're not going to come walking around the pitch when it's throwing it down. We're going to wait for the interview. It never came, so we felt we're going to have to go down the tunnel and find out what's going on. And there you were with a big smile on your face, because you knew Jan was a goner. Did you see Andy Booth on your trip? I did. We did a little interview. We did a little interview before the the match. How was he? We did. He was... Excellent. Was it nice to see him? And he, the thing he got, remember the Kentucky Fried Chicken, uh, the, the Twister, the KFC Twister story. He, I said to him, well, this happened before the game against Tottenham. And he said, no, it wasn't. It was Man United. And I said, no, Boothie, it was a trip where we were traveling. So this was on the Friday. So we were going down to London to play Tottenham. Oh, were we? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the whole point that we had the chance to put fight. And he, I did it though, didn't I? I said, yes, you did, but you nearly died. But he was still proud of the fact that he had five Twisters. So he still remembers it. He just got the team we were playing 
wrong. There he was go. definitely Tottenham, not Man United. But yeah, yeah he's in. He's like the J- Jason Statham of Huddersfield Town, Andy Booth. He really he looks like Jason Statham. Does he like attack? Ne'er do wells occasionally. Yeah, okay. he's a bit of a vigilante in his spare time, but he's very well indeed. Andy Booth vigilante. Yes, is maybe another sort of thread. Marvel should Marvel should pick that up. There's a definite. There's at least a, a comic book in that. If yeah. not one film, maybe two. Yeah, I'm just unsure about his costume. It's not a bad name for a band, Andy Booth vigilante. No, but or a racehorse. It needed some kind of balaclava to cover his uh, his his face because like it's the, it's not the prettiest. Like Zainab Badawi's Twenty Hotels. Carry on. <laughs> Andy Booth would struggle to have eaten five of the breakfast bap feasts oh. that we have enjoyed already today courtesy of uh, mrs hinchcliffe they were they were cheesy rolls oh, yes. with i had bacon and egg rory you, you went for bacon and mushroom chinch and i went for bacon egg mushroom and brown sauce i did i have brown sauce on mine my love yes, you did. yes i did we're already on to coffee number two so things could get giddy yeah. and all of that uh, was uh, preluded by but they homemade the muffins. Co- what? You'd be, you'd have those headphones slapped off your head if you said they were shot bought. Homemade I, muffins. They were phenomenal. It's draw, it's draw, an extraordinary business. Can I just make a twit point? Oh. When Dexter is asleep, yeah, he sounds a little bit like a balloon deflating. It depends which end the air's coming out of, because right. he can get a little bit trumpy. Dexter is Chinch's other dog. Yeah, he's Chinch like has a, two. He's about. It's like a fifteen-year-old pair of rancid bellows. That's basically. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rory, you're in the worst possible spot there for the I'm toxic down, dust. Downwind. You're yeah, going to you're going to get it. You chose to sit that side of the table, Rory. <laughs> uh, entries are rolling in for the annual part-time endeavour. That is the SPMPLPL. This is our competition that is much copied but never bettered. Asking you to predict how the final Premier League table will look at the end of the season. And this year, the set-piece menu Premier League prediction league has had a tweak or two. No, we haven't changed the name. Why mess with perfection? But you are now trying to gain as many points as possible with a correct team prediction. And there will also be bonus points on offer for getting the top four and bottom three exactly right. The biggest change, though, the most exciting change of all is the wild card. This is a team you select from your prediction that you are convinced will go against the prevailing mood of the nation and indeed the entire globe. If you are one of only a few who think they will finish where they end up finishing, then you will get extra points and they will flood in for you the more unpredictable that prediction is. This week's example, are you certain that Leicester will be in the top four? We'll put them there. Don't tell anybody else. And if they do, in fact, break into the Champions League elite, you will be amply rewarded. The wild card could be the difference between your own mid-table insecurity and the winner's grand prize, which, once again, will be significant and very cheap. You look confused, Rory. I just, I just like wonder, the wild card concept? I just wonder whether sometimes when you've got a really beautifully simple concept yeah. that everyone understands, there is a temptation yes. to to layer it up with, with added complications. We're talking about so VAR imagine, later. Imagine a beautiful um, caramel ice cream. Delicious. Mm. You maybe can get a f- away with a few, a few sprinkles, mm. a few hundreds and thousands. Mm. You can maybe get away with, with some extra like caramel chunks, a mm. bit of salt. Yeah. If you have everything on, mm-hmm. it gets sickly. That's, what, that, that's, my, that's a parable. Who, whose idea were all the improvements in inverted commas yeah very much in inverted commas change. yeah, yeah. Th- it was a committee decision was it you Steve well I, I wait a minute hang on I, 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 I was involved hang on, this hang time on, hang and on. I was there a committee decision were you, were you no. asked about no, have I you even done your league yet no I, I I've not even I'd, done my, I was I never asked about, about any of these changes that's no. maybe why they didn't ask us because we'd say keep it simple stupid take and you've gone and added all these new things to it we the monkeys they're the order and grinders yes take it up with best man Billy he is the brains and indeed the machinery behind so what what are Rory and I then if we just so Hugh clearly was involved because he has to be. You're busy, isn't you're, he? Yeah. He is very yeah. busy, yeah. You're, you're, you're asked by Billy for some input. So, what did I think well, of this? Hang on, did you not think, well, what about the other two? Shouldn't well, they he's be been in Portugal, well, he's been in Greenland. Oh, because you know, phones don't work or anything like that, do they? No, Unbelievable. No, this, no. Is, uh, this, this is this is this is bad. This is why we're starting. This could podcast. fracture, this yeah. could fracture us. Yeah. If you would like to taste of the wonderful caramel ice cream with all of its toppings that Rory has just described, then head to tinyurl.com slash set piece menu to enter your selections 
before 6pm on the 30th of August. You've had a couple of weekends now to have a think about it and you can make alterations if you've already entered. tinyurl.com slash menu. Make sure you do it before 6pm on the 30th of August. And don't forget that if you select the team for 17th that actually finishes 14th yeah. and the team that finishes 12th finishes 6th then you do get an extra prize only the, if <laughs> other people don't go for that as well yeah absolutely so and it changes if one person does the same thing that you're doing that then there is a sliding scale it yeah. tapers down for the amount of points that you could gain Obviously to improve the, the your point, score the points that you gain amortise over several years absolutely yes, yes, yes. Yes. it's not confusing this, at all you're making this sound more complicated than VAR uh, before we come to your correspondence time for a quick out of context reach Ooh. of our hugely popular new feature on set piece menu audiobooks of course a huge industry and that is without Andy Hinchcliffe reading the Lee Child thrillers about the former military policeman who is both like Chinch all hunk and all chunk so here are our attempts to fill the gap in the market a couple of weeks ago Hugh asked for a fighting section well I was listening to that whilst on holiday, whilst enjoying a Reacher novel that fulfilled the criteria of lots of people being punched in the face. So here is Andy Hinchcliffe with the latest Out of Context Reacher. Uh, this is taken from Worth Dying For, which is the Jack Reacher book 15. There's been I'm, a number of... I'm motoring, I was a bit, I'm motoring yeah, through them, Jim. And this is my first fight scene, so bear with me if I don't get the, uh, the cartilage crushing exactly right, but I'll do my very best. Is Worth Dying For a question or a statement? Um, there's no question mark. Good statement. So it's a statement. Okay, here we go. Whatever it is, is worth dying for. Yeah. So, Reacher leaned on his hands and pulled them back a little until Duncan's chair, Duncan, Duncan's chair was balanced uneasily up on two legs. Then he let go and the chair thumped forward again and Duncan scrambled up out of it and stood straight and turned around, equal parts fear and anger in his face, plus an attempt to play it cool for his pals. Then he looked around and couldn't find his guy, which took some of the, out some of the cool and some of the anger and left all of the fear. Reacher asked, Seth Duncan? The bony man didn't answer. Bony man. Reacher said, I have a message for you, pal. That's Reacher. Duncan said, who from? The National Association of Marriage Counselors. Is there such a thing? Probably. What's the message? It's more of a question. Okay, what's the question? The question is, how do you like it? Reacher hit him, a straight right to the nose, a big vicious blow, his knuckles driving through cartilage and bone and crushing it all flat. Duncan went over backward and landed on the table. Ooh, he bounced once and plates broke and glasses tipped over and knives skittered away and fell to the floor. Duncan made no attempt to get up. Reacher walked away down the corridor, past the lectern, back to the lot. Can't help but feel he's building up his past a little bit. Yeah, he's, he's, he, he went big that time. I enjoyed the, the characterizations. I think we should point out to anyone who felt that he played Duncan Camp. I was going he for Duncan Norvell. It That's was, where my, my inspiration came from. Very po- very Partridge in the way he played Duncan, the way he told that story. And I should also point yeah. out that we have recorded at Chinch's house over the last four years a few dozen times. I have never, ever seen Nikki indicate that she enjoys our presence or our recordings at all yes. until then when she actually laughed. What do you think, That Nick? is the first time we have ever entertained Nitty Hinchliffe. That was impressive, wasn't she it? She was utterly captivated. Nothing to do with football. It was to do with a man getting punched heavily in the face. I think it was your telling of the story, Chief. I'll have to listen back to it. There's maybe ways I could improve on it. But, you know, it's a work in progress. If there are any uh, out-of-context Reacher examples that you would like the great Andy Hinchcliffe to read out in his uh, very, very unique Can I have more fight? Style? Can I just appeal to more fight scenes? More I'd fight like scenes, that, please. please. And do get in touch at Set Piece Menu on Twitter. Set Piece Menu at Gmail. Dot com, Facebook too, where you can find all of the details of the SPM PLPL. Uh, we are going to focus on what you've had to say about last week's episode on betting very, very briefly. Thanks uh, for getting in touch. Uh, Joe Highland, who is an SPM Buffalo, he writes, Rory made a very good point about oh, certain wow. newspapers offering odds next to articles that lead to the reader to bet in a certain way. As a Palace fan, this has been an issue of debate with Sky Sports Online running several articles claiming Everton was submitting numerous bids for Wilfred Sahar. Allegedly, the final one was £70 million plus Jenktosin. Well, each story resulted in the odds of Zaha joining Everton shrinking and no doubt many placed bets before the odds got even smaller. On deadline day, it transpired Everton had only submitted one bid in the region of £50 million and that was submitted weeks before the transfer deadline. And many Palace fans angry about that situation. It's interesting that I made what was clearly quite a cogent point that I don't Mm. remember while simultaneously looking after a toddler. 
Yeah, you did quite well last oh, week. Oh, yeah. So I mean, to, to have contributed anything at all in those circumstances, it makes, Maybe makes me a Maybe you should take Ed to most of your work engagements then. If it's going to bring out this, you're going to blossom, your work's going to blossom. Maybe taking him along... That would make my life considerably easier. Yeah, but your work, your output would be tremendous. I mean, it seems, he does seem to inspire me, that's mm, true. Yeah. Going to have to rattle some of the, uh, through some of these. We are already past the point where Hugh uh, told me I should have got the, um, the correspondence out of the way. Uh, Theodore Frieden in Sweden Hang on, do you says, mean like he's like controlling us yeah, from afar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, ri- he's written all the words. I'm just basically a puppet. Oh, terrifying business. Uh, when listening to last week's episode on betting sponsorships in football and the moral obligations of influential brands, I immediately thought of the brilliant Swedish football magazine Offside. About a year ago, they abruptly discontinued all betting ads in their magazine and podcast in a bid to combat match fixing and secure their journalistic integrity. Up until that point, revenue from betting advertisements accounted for a yearly income of around 500,000 Swedish kroner. That's uh, around £43,000 or the equivalent of a round of drinks in a Swedish bar, (laughs) uh, which was a lot for an independent magazine uh, with around 60,000 readers. Overnight, they gained 500 new subscriptions and a major Swedish telecom company vowed to fill the gaping hole left behind when the betting companies went out the door. Can we yeah. envisage something similar happening here? No, because I don't think there's any, as we said last week, the Premier League have kind of said there's, there's no problem, nothing to look at, please go away. But I can't imagine that if, they, if, if say, the betting companies all decided not to advertise, I can't imagine that those advertising slots wouldn't be filled by other people. There's plenty of people who have wares to sell. Does it depend on the size or how much money they're willing to put yeah, in so, if yeah. the clubs are looking to would the, would the betting companies pay more it's hard to know because we don't really know about sponsors but unless you well, do interestingly I have an example of this ah. so Sevilla told me when I went to see them in June that they were about to sign a new, a new sponsorship deal for their shirt uh, they wouldn't tell me who it was with but it was with Marathon Bet and I think last time was Playtica now I'm guessing Playtica is a, is a gambling company mm-hmm. but Marathon Bet paid them twice as much as Playtica were paying them, which suggests to me that, the, that there are betting companies out there who just want to... I think most clubs in Spain now are sponsored by betting companies. That they, that I wonder if they are prepared to pay more because getting that, that sort of their name directly associated with the football is worth more to the gambling companies than it is to anybody else. Yes. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Theodor Frieden in Sweden, who uh, finished his email by saying, thanks for the timeless podcast, a true midweek delight remember compliments mean that your email stands a much better chance of getting uh, read out and also giving us credit for the timeless nature of the product uh, also uh, helps in that regard Uh, finally from rich wallace in vancouver who responds to our indecision on whether a player betting on his own team to win crosses the same moral divide as backing them to lose betting on your team to win may seem benign but it can still influence how a player or manager acts they may make decisions they otherwise would not have made for example in games they have no money on a manager may rest key players and save them for games that they have a bet on. On top of that, which games they do and do not bet on serve as great indicators as to which games they think they will win or lose. Anyone who helps facilitate this gambling would just have to look at the games that weren't gambled on to give themselves an unfair advantage in the betting market. That is from Rich. Well, I suppose the other thing is if you're, if you're gambling on games that, you're, that you are involved in, then it's a, it's a good point that you, you might kind of behave differently in the sense that you, you might throw yourself into tackles more and therefore actually play worse it can, it will yeah it does have an impact on on your performance if you think there is maybe not only does it matter more maybe it can matter too much if you have money on well, it sure yeah. whatever job you do if you're if there's money riding on your performance it ha- surely it has to affect how you go about things well, normally surely psychologically it has to have some effect on what you do normally i mean most jobs there's money riding on it change, no but i mean i mean ex- Yes, I mean, we, that's, can't, we that's, can't all work for free. No, no, we don't. As I do. As you do. Um, but yeah, when you're, I don't know, it's, it's slightly different. It's strange. They, they probably wouldn't see the money they're getting paid to play as, well, a certain type of money. But money, yeah, yeah, say they yeah. put £20 on themselves to score the first goal in the game. Strangely, that psychologically might be uppermost in their mind, not the money they're earning yeah, yeah, yeah. from actually doing the job. Yeah. That's, again, that's how you get hooked on these things as well. But if it has to, surely players... Is it, would, would they be, because the stories you hear are players betting on other games, not their own games. Do they, do they realise that actually doing that, do they feel betting on other games is kind of okay, even though they always get clobbered yeah, for I it? Think on lot, your I, own matches, you simply, they wouldn't do that. I think a lot of them think that if, it's, if they're gambling on games that they're not involved with, and particularly in leads that they don't play in, I think a lot of them think, well, there's no harm in this. Mm-hmm. I suspect a lot of it is kind of, if you're gambling like on Italian football or Turkish football or whatever, then they probably think there's no, yeah. th- this has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more players than we think have betting accounts that are run on their behalf by other people so they can't be traced back to them. I think that's probably quite frequent. 
We're already four minutes behind uh, Hugh Ferris's preordained uh, running order. Time, Wait a minute, Hugh's so not here. This is this is the Steve. Uh, this is the Steve Wyeth podcast. He'll get his own so back. He'll he'll get his how? own back one way or another. What's he going to do to you? I don't know. He's, he, a, he's, he's a, a tyrant. Sort. I mean, I'm, I'm tired of the Ferris tyranny, to be honest. Yeah. Well, we, mm. Maybe we can break out at some point. Let's, Let's push over. Let's push over his marble statue. Absolutely. Should we do that? <laughs> at Setpiece Menu on Twitter, if you uh, would like to get in touch, setpiecemenu at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook. So, to our subject this week. At the time of recording, Neymar remains a PSG player. Quickly checks phone. That, though, a fluid situation with, depending on the hour of the day, either a Barcelona return or a move to Real Madrid, viable destinations. Should a transfer occur, then we will witness one of the most startling phenomenon of the modern game, the migration of the footballer and his entourage. Team Neymar is made up of, not exclusively, his mum, his dad, himself a former player, uh, sister Rafa Beckran, uh, offspring, extended family and friends from home, the celebrity company he seems to have acquired along the way, and of course, from time to die, t- from time to time, the must-have accessory of the superstar athlete, the agent, and where he goes, they follow. It ruffled feathers at Barcelona previously. It has certainly been a factor in what has been an unsettled spell at PSG, and it provides us with a topic of discussion for today: How and when did footballers? and their entourage become a thing? Well, I think they, they, they've probably always been a thing. I'd be interested to know what, what Chinch's entourage was like when he was... Did you roll to 20 me, or 30 Knowing deep? me as you do, when yeah. I went to Sheffield Wednesday against Barnsley, yeah. how many people would you, would you guess would probably come along right. with me in my entourage? I'm going to say... Have a wild guess how many. I as, a, as a player? The, yeah. attend- player. the attendance would have been lower than Neymar's entourage. Yeah, probably, Possibly. yeah. Until no, they I'm going to say that playing. Chinch travelled with an accountant, <laughs> a stockbroker, a lawyer, mm-hmm. two bodyguards, a hairdresser, uh, some, masseur, a masseur, yeah, yeah, a masseur physio, physiotherapist, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, doctor, mm-hmm. slightly dodgy doctor who to get you potions and powders you weren't meant to be taking. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. the, and I reckon, it's quite a, a big car, a cardboard isn't it? cutout of Paul Jewell. <laughs> And a mechanic, because he drove a Fiat Tipo, so he probably would have needed <laughs> yes, one of those. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I just... I don't know. Surely it has to be the... Are we talking the superstars that do this? But surely it's, it's, a, it's a level of kind of... You clearly don't need all these family members, but do they need to travel? They don't travel everywhere well, so with ne- them. Surely they can. But again, is it building a bit of a shell around yourself? Is it kind yeah. of a protection mechanism? So Neymar's part Keeping example, people away. So Neymar has... His dad is his agent. His, his kind of contracts agent is Pini Zahavi. He has people who work with him on kind of commercial stuff and what have you who probably aren't, who wouldn't qualify as his entourage. But I wonder if they probably, I would imagine they fairly regularly have a representative around him just to, especially when he's doing kind of commercial work. But then the centre of the entourage are, the, are his toys, which is a, a word that he appears to have invented himself. Who are his friends from Brazil? I've seen, the, I've seen that word written down. Thank you for. Well, I, don't, uh, I might. I might How do you spell it? It's T O I S. Toys. I say toys. It may toys. be that in Portuguese it's pronounced differently. Okay. I'm not sure, quite sure how you could pronounce that word differently, but I'm open to suggestions. So if, if I'm getting it wrong, I apologise. I will refer to them exclusively from now as toys until I'm told otherwise. But they're kind of his friends from Brazil who, who live with him, who kind of... Diego Torres in, in El, Pai, El Pais, the, the Spanish paper, did a brilliant piece on kind of the, the life that, that Neymar and his, his toys lead, where basically they kind of laugh when he laughs, they want to go out when he wants to go out. They want to stay in when he wants to stay in. They are there basically to, faci- to facilitate his mood and as much many, as anything else. How many else. are they? I think, it's, it, I think it can vary. I think there's two or three who are there regularly, but then there's, there's, it will be up to five or six. They go out with him. They come in with him. They look after him. They, they kind of, they're not there to... Just to, keep him company, basically. Well, yeah, so this is the weird thing. I think if you were really rich and really famous, Chinch, yeah. the... You could probably understand having a couple of people to kind of, this doesn't sound really bad, but like run errands for you. So you pay people to run errands for you because it's, it, like it's probably quite hard for Neymar to go to Boots. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're Neymar and you want to nip down to get a new toothbrush. So he doesn't go and get his own tricky. dry cleaning from Johnson's. He gets someone to... He doesn't go to Johnson's. He if doesn't he, go to if, Johnson's. If he needs, if he needs a, a spare key What cut, planet does, is he living on? Does Neymar go to Timpson? Does, does he, b****? <laughs> <laughs> Neymar... <laughs> Neymar gets somebody... But this is the thing. So the toys don't even do that. So it's not like he's... There are players who, who hire friends from home and basically make them run... You know, they give them kind of sinecures 
of, to, to make the, the players' lives a bit easier. But it, it's basically a way of taking a friend from home and lifting them out of poverty. Okay. It's sharing your wealth. And I, I think that is, is broadly an admirable thing. Yeah. With the toys, they're basically there just to kind of keep him company and make sure he's in a good mood. There's no, there is no, I don't think they do anything for him. But they are the, the sort of heart, if you speak to people around PSG, they're, they're kind of the heart of the issue because they've, they've made Neymar feel... They've kind of, I guess they've cocooned him from the world. Yes. So there is, they've kind of detached him. PSG as a club haven't helped because they've kind of indulged his every whim at every corner. Well, this, is, this not an, is this something that clubs need to get a handle on then? Or, or do they have any jurisdiction over that? It's sort how of do thing? you stop it? So the, the, the other point I wanted to make was that the other reason Neymar's a good example is just he's Brazilian, famously. And Brazilian players tend to have slightly larger entourages than others. And I think we should have some allowance for that. So Gabriel Jesus of Manchester City, I think, has something similar. I think there are a few people around him pretty much all the time, some family members, some friends, some people that he knows from home. And it's partly because these are young kids who have moved not just to a different country. It's not like moving from England. To, yeah, it's yeah. not like you... Us, sorry, it's not like us or you, middle-class listener, listening, thinking, right, I'm going to move to France now, and you, you have to deal with yeah. the language, and it's a bit different, and like the banks are different, and sometimes the card machines don't give you your card back first, they give you the money first, so you forget your card, and it's annoying, mm-hmm. but, and everyone's French, and it's really hard, mm-hmm. but it's a different continent for kids who've not really been exposed to all the ways, you know, it's about all the ways in which we're exposed to other cultures and other countries now, even if you don't go abroad. Really difficult to get fat chips in France. Yeah, well. exactly, all the chips are really thin, you're like, yeah, I, but I like that, it's good. Je voudrais des chips plus gros and they're like what and sometimes you go to a restaurant and you ask for a limonade and they look at you completely baffled as though you've asked for kind of an alien space juice Mm. but actually what they call it is a citronade which is the same thing and they know exactly what you mean and they're just being difficult so maybe you do need support Mm. do you know what in in Portugal you have to actually qualify what flavour of Fanta you want just just bring me a fizzy orange Surely, but in, surely in Portugal, in Portugal you are, your basic Fanta is, is Fanta Limon. Exactly. the best type of Fanta. So it's, prob- it's probably it's doing fair a favour by yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's like Jesus or, or Neymar coming over to the UK, oven bottom baps. Yeah. It, it rolls. It's, it's, it's confusing. It's K-A, bound to be so that K-A you're going to need... oven bottom baps. They're going to need some help, aren't <laughs> no, they, so with this, this is type the thing. of thing? So if you're, if you're, I think if you're a Brazilian kid who's grown up ordinarily in a place where you're not going to be exposed yeah. to different cultures and different different kind of countries and and you're not going to have all those globalised kind of influences that we have, then it's fair enough that you want people around you who you know. And I think the clubs encourage it because it drowns the players quickly. It helps them to adapt. And I know that it can then become a problem because it means the players don't ever feel the need to actually kind of embed themselves in their new life. Because Jesus was a little bit older when he came over to to Europe. When Messi came over to Barcelona, he was... He was a young, was he? 13 or 14. So did, again, did his, did his family come with him or yeah. how, how did that so work with him? The, the, messy, the messy family unit has always been really close. I think from memory, from Diem Balaguer's book on Messi called Messi. Mm. Uh, I think his, obviously his dad came across. I think his mum and his sister maybe stayed in Argentina, but then his brothers, one of his brothers was here throughout. And now if you look at Messi's kind of arrangements, he has agents and he has PR representatives, but his dad looks after him. His dad is... And his brother are the people who kind of define his career, which yeah. is, I mean, in, in his case, is relatively easy. It's just occasionally signing a new contract with Barcelona. But he's kept it much more in-house. And I think that in a lot of cases, that's actually something that's becoming more popular, is players are increasingly looking at... In fact, we in the New York Times had a piece on this uh, not that long ago uh, that I did not write, written by Jack Williams. It, it's fine. We're not, he's not treading on my toes. It's not a problem. But... Sounds like, sounds like it might have been a little bit. No, not so, it was. It was. It was weirdly. Like, it, it, it was one of those pieces I'd sort of vaguely thought about writing about two years ago and forgotten about. And now that he's done it, I'm a bit annoyed with myself for forgetting about. But anyway, a lot of players like keeping it in the family, as you did, Chinch. Yes, because you trust them to have your best interests at heart yes. rather than their own yes. best interests. At That's heart. why I never had a, an external agent working for me. Any advice I took, I did. I didn't have them travelling with me to games, but I'd have an accountant and a solicitor. My ex-brother-in-law he used yeah. to he used to speak to nothing on the team bus travel on the team bus <laughs> your accountant your accountant what is, what is <laughs> Jeff doing here well, he's just I don't know he's just come right, he's a big Barnsley fan no 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 so you'd, you'd use people but but again Messi presumably his, his character is very different is Neymar is he more of a an outlandish kind of character would you have you ever have you ever spoken to him have you ever have you ever seen him in the flesh is he is he quite a an expressive kind of is he different to Messi I've never sat down and talked to him Mm. about his interests and passions Mm. but I have I have spoken to him he the the thing about the thing with Neymar is that he does create this impression of 
outlandishness. But by all accounts, people who worked with him on like commercial shoots will say that he's actually incredibly helpful, really polite, really kind of willing to to kind of go along with stuff, wants to get the job done, and yeah. blah blah. Whereas Messi, so Sam Borden for ESPN did a piece on Messi about a year ago, where he described uh, he was basically he was invited along to a Messi. Uh, commercial event for whichever Nike and Adidas Messi is contracted to and the idea was that there would be the Messi would do the shoot and then I think there'd be a bit of time with him afterwards and Messi sort of wordlessly went to, he was meant to jump off a box and kick a ball and that was how they'd get the shot they needed for whatever they were promoting and he just sort of did it wordlessly for about eight minutes until he got it and then immediately as soon as it was done off he goes no, no, no didn't kind of engage with it there wasn't, there wasn't any kind of and that's fine that's not a criticism of Messi Neymar by all accounts isn't really like that, that he will kind of go up to everyone on the set and thank them for their work and he'll say hello and he introduces himself and he's really grounded. And I think this is maybe where you get an issue with the broader entourages, which is that the person at the centre of them isn't necessarily reflected in the way that the entourage behaves. So the the family, and I think often it is family and the, the friends from home kind of have their own, not agendas, but they feel as though they warrant special treatment and particularly the person at the centre of the entourage warrants even more special treatment which makes them quite difficult to deal with so you kind of it's fame by association so you've got they've got them at the eye of the storm and the the winds that blow are with the uh, the toys well so Miguel Delaney very good friend of the podcast uh, said that did a piece on Neymar not long ago who's saying that if you that the only person who really cows Neymar is his dad so Neymar Sr. is apparently very charismatic, tends to dominate a room. Neymar Jr. is also very charismatic and obviously dominates a room because he's Neymar. But in front of his dad, Neymar Jr. kind of goes into his shell a little bit because his dad's been this sort of Svengali figure for him. And I think w- what often happens is the desires of, of the people around them overtake what the person at the centre of it actually really wants or cares about. It's, well, we need this because th- this is Neymar, we need this. So, or we, you have to let us do this because this is Neymar. Mm-hmm. I think the problem with Neymar has been for a long time that he's had no one say no to him around him, so he's got used to not not being told no. I don't know, but there's been a bit of a change in Gabriel Jesus this year that I wonder if that might be to do with him being more settled and therefore being a little bit less, and again, this is purely speculation, being a little bit less at the whim of the people around him saying you need to do this or we want to do this, or yes, you should you should do that because you're Gabriel Jesus, you can do what you like. So is this one of the challenges for a player, especially a young player, Chinch? And I suppose culturally it's not something that we are all that familiar with because our young footballers have not traditionally travelled the globe. They've stayed at home. So I guess they've had their friends and family close anyway. So it's not been a huge factor. But a young player who already has a lot of difficult decisions to make or people out there making difficult decisions on their behalf, getting this balance right because clearly they need people around them who are going to be comfortable But perhaps in the case of Neymar, and I remember the, the final stages of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's time at Borussia Dortmund, the people around him became a bit of a, a distraction too far for those people at the club. And they weren't necessarily, despite his performances on the pitch still being phenomenal, weren't all that disappointed that there, was, there were plenty of suitors mm. willing to, to take both the player and his entourage on. How hard must it be for a young player Away, living away from home to get that balance right. Well, I was my, my dad actually told me that um, when I was a young kid. I know you might find this incredible, but uh, when I was eighteen, nineteen, I AC, know you were young AC Milan were apparently interested. What? what? I know. AC Milan were looking at. Are we keeping at, a list of the clubs? Just, just, just hold on. No, no, no. Hold do, you on a when, do you remember when Wenger was still at Arsenal? That a player would emerge in like Bolivia and sign for I don't know. Santos in Brazil and he'd score 100 goals and, and Vendor would always say oh of course we tried to sign him so the list of players that Vendor tried to sign was like was literally every great footballer of the last 20 years it was, it was always always I remember doing these press conferences and it got to the stage where he'd say it and you, you, there was a kind of snicker and he was probably telling the truth like Vendor was an honest man and I kind of miss him but he was probably telling the truth, but it would always be like, oh yeah, what a surprise, Arsene. You almost uh, almost signed him. Pele, you almost signed Pele, did you, Arsene? Yeah, yeah. It's the same with Chinch and clubs he could have no, no, signed no, no. for. How, how many clubs have I ever said did I, that? Did I ever tell you that Real Madrid in the 1950s no, tried no, to sign me? No, I was minus 20. This is unfair. But they tried to hire my father's sperm. This they, is unfair. <laughs> I've only ever said Liverpool, and that's you've true. Never, you've never said Man Liverpool. United. You've never said Liverpool. Liverpool. Ever. You've yes, never ever said Kenny Liverpool. Kenny Dalglish was naturally a huge admirer, but apparently AC Milan. Nottingham Forest, Tottenham. Yeah. Arsenal. 
Well, Tottenham did try and sign me. I've told you that that actually happened. That's not something I've dreamt. A lot of the other stuff might well be. But no, AC Milan, myself and Paul Simpson. Cartoon, one of the other stars. Cartoon football team of the no. Hurricanes. Mel- AC Milan no. didn't have a decent left back at no. about Melchester that Rovers. I'm trying to make a really valid <laughs> point here, and you're, just, you're making a mockery of it. You really are. They're looking at Paul Simpson. and I'm just going to say it loud. I'm just going to talk over you. Who's Paul Simpson? Who? The under 20 coach. Yes, Paul yes, Simpson. He was at Man City. He was a left he Man City. Yeah, he was, a, he was kind of a year ahead of me. Do not remember. And apparently him. they were looking at. And clearly never signed either of us for obvious reasons. But, but yeah, imagine if I was at that age, 19. Hang on, 19. what year was that? Well, when I was 19, would have been, uh, I was born in, <laughs> about 88. Okay. Probably so, just, before the rise, just before the rise of Maldini. But anyway, imagine AC, AC, AC Milan. Milan an English what are you going to check? What, what are you, what are you checking? How can it? you check the veracity of this? There's Maldini, like a cent- that he was a centre back for Ox- Oxford United. There's Maldini. Maldini. No, no. So I get, yeah, but again, imagine if I'd have had the opportunity because yeah, you're absolutely right. You just played for, you know, born in Manchester. You really, if you went down to London, that was a bit of a push. If you'd signed for a London team, imagine if if that had worked out and I'd had the opportunity to go and play in Italy. You know, it's a trick they clearly missed. But at 19, would there's no way with the, the family background I'd had. What are you shaking your head for, Smith? Don't you get? In, don't, no. I don't want to know anything about what you found I'm on your phone. But anyway, imagine, imagine how difficult. I know for a fact I could not have gone. I couldn't have gone down to London on my own. So I would have needed some kind, just basically for my own, just to keep me coming because I'd have felt so yeah. out of place. Simple as that. I wouldn't have done it for the reasons that I'm a superstar because clearly I was. You'd have done it for reasons that you need a bit of support while you're there. So yeah, I can criticise again these superstars have all these entourage, but the reasons they have them, how they behave as well over the years, if that changes and it's not about the person they're there for and it becomes about them throwing their weight around for themselves, that is a worry. But a lot of young players, maybe... Is it Oliver Burke went out to play in, in Leipzig, Germany? Yeah. Would he maybe... I'm sure, possibly, oh, yeah. in his family situation, he would have taken people to just ease that, ease that kind oh, of so step because it should be a huge one. I think we should make, make clear this isn't a uniquely South American phenomenon. It's, I would say most players have... Most high-profile players, as Chinch was, AC, former AC Milan charger. I had a sharp did. profile. I wasn't that higher profile, to be honest. We'll have a group of people who are around them. I think what's different with the South Americans is often those people live with them. Or not often. In some cases, those people yeah. are. So my colleague Tariq Panja spent time with Vinicius. It's actually a piece that's really worth reading on this is subject. It's a cultural thing as a family and the well, way that they live together. So it's natural. If one moves and there's an opportunity financially, it's, something, it's no surprise that you, they would all move. I think maybe. to an extent, they feel... Like, so Vinicius Junior at Real Madrid is moved when he was 17, 16 or 17, and took his large, you know, took his, fa- his immediate family with him, and also kind of basically gave two friends jobs to to be his kind of to keep him company in Madrid. And yeah. I think that because they're moving so far, because they tend to be quite young, uh, because there's normally a language sort of situation, I think they tend to to move and then live with their entourages. I think that's what's slightly different. Most high-profile European players would, would have a couple of sort of trusted friends or associates around them at all times, and often they'll have a representative from their agency, like a, not an agent, but someone who is, who is kind of dispatched by their agent to look after well, them. They're big commodities, aren't living, they? So these living, aren't, aren't hangers-on. There's, there's some connection to all the people that are involved in I, and around them day to day. Some of them are legitimate. So I know a couple of people who kind of do that job who aren't i suspect they're not licensed not necessarily licensed intermediaries they might be but they are basically there to kind of help the players out when there's an issue so the other and the other example i can give is is ilkay gundawan uh the manchester city player who i spent some time with who lives with his cousin Mm -hmm. il can ilhan is his uncle and uh agent but Ilkan is his cousin the names are all very similar yes. and I make no apology for, for having to just think to get the one, that one right but Ilkan lives with him and then there is there's a there's a chef and there is a an osteopath and a physiotherapist who Ilkan employs privately who aren't around all of the time but are Often, often, go. in my experience, one of them, one from, of them was around. From this country, no, they're all. Ger- I think they're all or, German. So they're, they're all German. Or, I think. So they come and they come and, they come and go. They come and see him. Yeah. So they'll yeah. sort of. Okay. His chef will be there for for a few days and sort of just touch some stuff up and then and then kind of go back. So he's presumably got other clients or other things to do. Uh, the physio kind of comes every so often, and possibly possibly less now that the ill ties back to full fitness and there's no been no recurrence. Uh, the osteopath will come whenever there's a problem. So th- there are people that he can call on, and obviously Ilhan, his agent, is there a lot as well, I think. So there are people that he can call on when he 
when he feels the need. And I think that that's probably a relatively yeah, ordinary yeah. situation for European yeah. players that they that they will if they're moving abroad, they'll probably take a family member or friend with them. If they're not married, obviously if they are married then that's mm. that's different. Mm. Even if well to be fair, even if they are married, I wonder if they'll take kind of people around as as fixers effectively. Mm. And there might well be an agent or an agent's representative there. I think sometimes the clubs will put someone with, with a player to help them, a, yeah. a translator or an interpreter or something. Mm. Um, it's relatively normal. It's just that in the case of, of Brazilians in particular, it seems, in my experience, it might be that all South Americans do it. Because they're travelling so far and because it, it's such a massive kind of opportunity, not just for, their, for them but their families and often their, their kind of extended family and friends, I think they tend to travel in greater numbers and what's crucial is that none of it's a problem as long as you have the right mix of people yeah. in those entourages yeah. and then what you have a, is a group of people who are looking out for the player and that's good and they make the player feel comfortable and like, there's a bit of an issue if they don't learn the language like Sergio Aguero has been in England for a long time and without being like critical it's really hard learning a foreign language should probably speak more English than he does if we're all completely honest and I suspect he would speak more English if he hadn't spent a lot of his time surrounded by people speaking Spanish mm. that's I mean it's not like his performances have suffered so you can't really criticise him but yeah I think there's if the people are good that are around them it's fine I think the problem you get is when the people around them get have different ideas maybe want a bit more profile and feel that they're not being respected and that means the player's not being respected and that's when you get issues and, and then obviously it depends a lot on the player in terms of how extrovert, how ostentatious mm. they are, the likes of Messi and Aguero, you don't really find yourself aware of their entourages because they keep themselves to themselves. Yeah. I suppose they're not out and about, you know, you don't hear about Aguero being out and about in Manchester with large groups of, of mates from no, home no. in the way that you would do with, you know, Neymar partying in, yeah. in Paris, for example. So come on then, Chinch. Andreas Inchcliffe. <laughs> Playing for AC Milan in the late 1980s. Oh, I just, want to, just want to make this it's a warm thought. God, isn't it? Just want to just tell so you. I can't get an actual. Obviously, there was a squad at AC Milan in 1988, 89. Yeah. I just want to give you an idea of who your teammates would have been. Yeah. Interesting fact: you would have been, I think, competing with Gianluca Pisotto uh, as the backup left back. Have, I, he, he wouldn't have stood Who a chance, was a better he? footballer than no, you? No, I don't think so. He, he did he do anything in the game? Yes. Did he? Certainly won the Champions League. Did he win the FA Cup? Don't think so. Carry on. No. Mm. And is now quite high up at Juventus, isn't he? Well, Pisotto? can't have anything, can you? Let's find, find out. Hang on. He's not uh, doing this podcast, is he? Uh, who would you? Oh, he's the, currently the sporting director of Juventus' youth academy, so he is also more intelligent. This is than not about him. So this is not about I'm him. I'm guessing that Giovanni, Dan, Giovanni Galli would have been in goal. Remember that AC, that great AC Milan side always had a terrible goalkeeper? Yeah. So that was, that was Giovanni yeah, Galli. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say you had a back four of. Uh, obviously, Baresi and Tassotti, probably at centre half. Maldini left back, Costa Curta, knocking so, about. You know, these are young kids. You know, central midfield. Not big names, central midfield. <sighs> I mean, how do you pick between Dimitri Albertini, Carlo Ancelotti, mm-hmm. Rudolit, and Frank Rijkaard? Mm. But just imagine. Uh, bit weak on the wings. Probably Paul Simpson, there, Paul Simpson would have done a job. If I was in there. Uh, and then up front, I'm going to say you're going to go for Daniele Massaro and Marco Van Basten. It's only. It's their loss. That's all I'm saying. Marco Van Basten like Andy Booth, would have really appreciated my pinpoint accuracy what in a terms play, of crossing What a player he could have been if only, exactly. if only Chinch had been How providing How good the I could have made him look. Marco Van... I don't remember the I name. I don't even remember him. Chinch, mm. all mockery aside, uh, what would your entourage have been then if you had had to... Uh, had to what do you think to, to make uh, you comfortable as a, as a teenage English footballer honestly, playing yeah, in Milan? Even, what would you have needed? 18, 19 years old. Would you have taken a parent... Uh, yes, I would have. Yeah, I think both probably would have. Both would have probably come with me. Yeah, yeah. So I think parents absolutely. Yeah. Would you have taken yeah. Glenn Roda like Gaza? Uh, probably not. I didn't have any friends. I didn't really have a because, lot of. I didn't really have a lot the, of friends. You see, I wasn't really, not really like that. You see, I wouldn't have taken. I wouldn't have any toys to take with me. No. I, I really uh, school friends. I didn't really I don't really I don't have any I didn't mm-hmm. really work for me like that even friends within football everyone knows me and I know them but we're not in each other's pockets hang on so you, do you what? not class yourself as having as having friends not, apart from you lot who else do I talk about I don't Gary Weaver yeah but I work with him he's a work colleague he's a friend 
But I don't go out. Well, you wouldn't go out with Gary Weaver because goodness me, the carnage. But anyway, so no, this I don't really have a lot of. I've never been like that. Even as a kid, I never really had a lot. What about famous architect Dave Jones? Yeah, but we're just we just you know passing my hedge trimmers over the fence. We don't know each other. We don't go out for you know drinks and stuff, do we? I don't really have friends. It's not sad. It's not sad. It's not sad. It's just how I am. He's such a frustrating person to have as the ex-footballer in the group because he's so untypical. Let's use an actual example of a young fullback who has left the northwest of England to play abroad in the last few months. Mm-hmm. John Joe Kenny, who yep. joined Everton yes. at nine years yeah. old, is now playing on loan in Germany with Schalke. So the latest young English footballer who has decided the Bundesliga is a great place to go to to try and get first-team football mm-hmm. and further their, their career. And I'm sure we will continue to see that path being taken. But he was speaking ahead of making his Bundesliga debut about the, reason, the, the things that have helped him settle in. Mm. One of them is the fact that David Wagner is the Schalke coach, the former Huddersfield manager. So obviously, you know, he knows John Joe Kenny. Kenny knows what Wagner's all about. Language isn't an issue. But he's also taken his family with him. They're living with him. They've helped him settle in. So obviously, the more we see English players moving abroad, and perhaps it will become a trend because it has been successful. It's incredibly good for them, isn't it, in terms of their development? It's it's very important. Or whether it's it's English players moving abroad or players from English academies who go and play elsewhere for a while before coming back to Chelsea or Manchester City or whoever their parent clubs are. Will we start to see this phenomenon in English football that suddenly the rise of the English footballers' entourage, because of course, you know Wayne Rooney has taken his entire family with him to the states. It's whether you've got a family. Un- a family's not entourage. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's these. It's these kind of people in the kind of the middle ground, isn't yeah. it? Are they, are they friends, family, and parents, or your brothers? I think you can under- completely understand why yeah, that would happen. Would rep- but friends, it can be a little bit. You know how they behave. But I don't, from- you won't see. I think John Joe Kenny taking two or three of his mates. To, to Germany, clearly. You think you would? I think it, it depends on what the family unit's like to yeah. an extent. So if you have, if you are, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know anything about John Joe Kenny's family, but if he's got a relative, you know, strong family and they're prepared, they're in a position where they're, they're prepared to say, right, you're moving to Gelsenkirchen. And moving to Gelsenkirchen is a commitment, but we, you know, we're moving out to the, to the Raw Valley to be with you for a year. It's mm-hmm. especially tough, I guess, when you're on, when you're on loans. You sort of think, well, it, it's temporary. You can't, yeah. people don't necessarily want to give up their jobs. Like, you'd be yeah, surprised yeah. by how many how many footballers like families still live in the house where they where the footballer grew up when you I guess you I certainly would have thought that you know they'd want to move out immediately to some big gaudy mansion but a lot of them no. they, that's their home and mm-hmm. a lot of footballers parents still work mm-hmm. because I mean it, it, it's not a full-time job being a footballer's mum that's that's not enough to fill your days and people have meaning to their lives as well so it's it's not necessarily the case the family is automatically prepared to say Right, you, you're doing this, we'll, we'll come with you. Mm. I think if you have a strong family unit, they might do that, or if you, you determine with them that that's the sensible thing to do, that they will. But I think, I think English footballers do have those same kind of, of hangers-on. I mean, I know players who've got like a watch guy who'll hang around with them. Like a, a watch guy? Like a guy oh, who gets yeah, them watches. Yeah. 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 I used to see what? that at United Massive, yeah, yeah. A guy that gets them watches? Yeah. There used to be a guy at, at Carrington at United's training ground on a regular basis on a Friday morning who... Procured watches, yeah, very for the, very nice for the players, ones for the, for the players who collect watches. And like, there's there's, there's Dave G Shock. Who, who is the, this? Is on tru- a, truly? Yeah, there's a guy that I know. So it's the most remarkable thing we've talked about so far. Who who is kind of in charge of getting like ca- watches I presume cars players. will be a thing as well. Because I guess so. Yeah, watches yeah. really yeah. That, crazy. And but then then because you're the you're the watch guy, mm-hmm. you're quite a good person to have around. So you you go out with the players and you, they trust you and they like you and it's it's fine. Like barbers. Footballers fly yeah, barbers yeah. all over the yeah. world. The number of times you hear stories about you know international players at major competitions who jet their yeah. barber from back home in, and he ends up giving the entire squad a haircut. I discovered that my my barbers in Didsbury. Uh, so I used to get my haircut in town by a lad who you went all the way into town. Yeah, to when I was haircut. younger. Yeah, I was single and didn't have commitment, so I just thought I might as well. When I was in town, I might as well go and have. I'd occasionally go into town to buy clothes, Stephen. So I thought, well, I'm there. I will. Get my hair. When, when you haven't got dogs and children, doing that type of thing is really seems, enjoyable. Seems normal but then when fun. you have a family, yeah. it's a real chore. I can't imagine why I did that. It seems like mm. a complete waste of time. Yes. Anyway, Dan, who took my hair, has gone on to great things and is now kind of a is it Tony and Guy. He he was a Tony and Guy, yeah. But he um he's That's now a, well. he he's now like a like one of their head stylists or something. He's very successful, not because of cutting my hair, but he used to cut several high profile footballers' hairs. And <laughs> the 
I always thought can you, you quite, can you name? Can you name? Can you well, name? I know that Phil Neville was one of them. Oh, <laughs> is that is that a good thing? Phil Neville, famously of good hair. So his, yeah. ble- his, his that wasn't his best work. His hints and his bleaching was that done by possibly? I, I presume done by Dan. Oh, I see. But now my <laughs> my head my barber's in Didsbury. They, which is not Tony and I, uh, I just talked the other day. Get my hair cut. But they also put lots of footballers' hair, but they are exclusively goalkeepers who don't play. So it's, they, if, there's, if you to name a third or fourth choice goalkeeper in the northwest, they probably get their hair cut in Didsbury. They do. Andy Lonigan yeah. is queuing up outside with. It Stuart is. I think Taylor. players go with if another player has somebody, not necessarily, yeah. but strangest things. They'll they'll go along and say, well, if you use that guy, I'll use him. But if you got if you got a big job offer that you couldn't turn down in San Fran, yeah, would you say to Dan? Check your passports in date. Come on, mate. We're going to go out to San Fran and you can be my in-house hair tech guy. My haircut is not sufficiently good to warrant that. Yes. But I'm, I'm confident that I could <laughs> find someone to cut my hair in San Francisco. Really? But I guess if you were, if you got a big job offer to move somewhere that, you were tot- like, that was totally kind of different to you and you, you weren't sure, you, I mean, you had a lot of money. Where could you go that you wouldn't be comfortable? I can't believe there's a place on earth where you couldn't blend in, and you'd just revel in the difference, wouldn't you? You wouldn't yeah, well, fight yeah, but, it, but that's would what, you? But that's what I mean. So we, but you're mature. You're, no, you're, it's, you're, not, it's not maturity, it's privilege. So oh, okay. we, are, we are all very lucky that we get to, to go to lots of different places, and we get to be exposed to different cultures, and we, we just, you, you learn, I guess, after a while, how to function in different places, and that's because, you, not necessarily you've travelled a lot, because you're... You're exposed to different cultures wherever you are. You kind of understand that you understand the concept of cultural difference, yes. and you understand that you can go to. So Japan is the place that I've been to that felt most kind of different from yeah, normal. Well, Japan was that. a proper like, like I mean, I, I can't it say without swearing, but it properly messes with your head. Partly the jet lag, but and the toilets and the toilets that talk to you. Yeah, and the spray water. The, at chatty, you. the chatty toilets are a problem, but that. But equally, I'm confident. Yeah, that I could go to Japan and, and I'd find ways of adapting. But I, I know like, I could get my hair cut there. But if you're a kid who's not been exposed to that privilege mm-hmm. and you're suddenly handed all this money and this club that is working is prepared to do anything to, to make you happy, you probably would take someone to cut your hair. Just you'd be like, well, this, uh, like, this guy cuts my hair and I know I, I like it, so it's a worry off. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, yeah, I don't judge them for that. I think that what you, what you need alongside that is someone strong at the head of it saying... These people are your friends, and they can keep you company. They are not in charge of things, and that's it's what's happened. Control, isn't that's it? what's yeah. happened with Neymar. Is that the um, the orchestra are leading the conductor? Which brings us hopefully to some sort of conclusion and back to where we started uh, over the course of the last thirty minutes or so. Whilst we've been talking about this, no doubt the the potential destination for Neymar in this transfer window will have changed half a dozen times. But will that the Utah Jazz of the NBA? <laughs> will that be? It might work out. Look at Christian Wade suddenly in the NFL having stopped rugby. Uh, is it an issue for clubs though? When you know Neymar, undoubtedly one of the most gifted footballers on the planet, but will big clubs be treating these superstar players with caution going forward because of the baggage that the is same, perceived to be? It's the same with everything. With they will tolerate whatever they whatever they can as long as the player is performing, and as soon as the player stops performing then they'll stop tolerating it. It's, it's a totally craven kind of self-interested morality, but that's how they, they operate. So if PSG had won the Champions League last season or the season before, they, wouldn't, they, they would not care about Neymar's entourage. They wouldn't care about the fact that he trains when he wants or he's, he goes out and disappears or they don't always know where he is. They wouldn't care. But it's the fact that they haven't done that and that they feel that they haven't quite got 222 million euros worth of talent that suddenly they know oh, the entourage is a bit of a problem as long as the, the players are performing the clubs are not interested in their in their general like mental health it's just it it becomes a concern when the performances drop off a conclusion of sorts to a subject that didn't necessarily need one no rory well, you thank know. you very That's much right. andy thank you uh before we go it is of course as always time for the most popular element of the podcast uh, time for never mind jack and Ori, what a soccer story this is when Andy tells us a tale from his playing days with all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details removed. Well, this isn't from my playing days. This is bang up to date. It's what to we mentioned to... No, no. It's what we... No, you got it wrong. I'll just I'll rectify it. Um, this was... Yes, it was an emotion that was stirred up in me for the first time in my broadcasting career. We mentioned it at the start of the pod at Huddersfield. You and I were there, Stephen. And I've been working in broadcasting brilliantly for nearly a decade now and 
Yes, okay, I know. It didn't start brilliantly, Chinch. It started well and has skyrocketed. Not my words, words of what broadcaster magazine. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, he, yeah, Jan Siever is the first coach slash manager to have been axed at a game that I was covering. I only, rea- only realised that. After the game, when I was driving home with Gary Weaver, sadly, and he was trying to force feed me jelly babies, um, that it, he's the first coach I've ever seen lose his job actually after a game that I've covered. And you mentioned it that, that Huddersfield didn't put anybody up to read the statement out about him leaving. And I was then, because Sky were covering the game, I was the only one really they could put from there. And I felt really, really bad for I don't know Jan Siever at all, I've never spoken to him, but I felt really bad for him. And they're also having to go in front of the camera and to try and explain the reasons behind Huddersfield letting him go. And then in a way, trying to fight his battle a little bit. It kind of caught me off guard, but it's because in a decade, I've never witnessed anything quite like that at all. I found it really uncomfortable. That time we spent in the tunnel waiting for this, because I think it came out on the, was it on the Twitter feed, or on the club website. It was really odd. That kind of, everyone kind of knew what was happening, but nothing had been confirmed. And I felt really... Sick. I felt really. Oh, it didn't look like it because I was, you know, dancing around and, and being my natural self. But I, I did feel really terrible that he'd, he'd lost his job and then having to go and speak about it as well. I found it really, really uncomfortable. But again, I'll learn from it and be better next time because it's bound to happen again, isn't it? Well, but it's really interesting. In like nine, seven, eight hundred games that I've covered, this is the first time I've actually been there. When after a game, the players all start trooping out, and you kind of clearly sense something is wrong. The manager's not been out as coaching, and I just think I just thought it was really awful. And then the fact that Huddersfield didn't maybe put a face to the to the sacking as well. I, I thought that was a little bit. It's a bit cowardly. A bit, I, I felt that you know when you're winning trophies and getting promoted, there's any number of people want to talk about how well you're doing. And I felt it was a really important time just to. To maybe give Jan the, the, some of the... Okay, he's had a really tough time. He's brought into it for a certain reason. It's not worked out. I just felt really uncomfortable. But again, professionally, you've got to, you've got to do the job that you're asked. And I, th- I did actually say in the interview that I did, I was really disappointed that Huddersfield didn't put somebody up just to put... Just to humanise it. For the fans, mm. for the Huddersfield fans, and just basically say, this is why we've done what we've done. It was really antiseptically done and then for, for me I had to do what I did I just felt really uncomfortable have you been at many games Steve where, where people have where coaches have have you experienced this a lot because I, I thought it was absolutely that feeling in yeah. that tunnel was awful first kill awful. is the hardest by the way Chinch. it is be easy yeah, for it's like time. Jack Reacher isn't it the first punch to the nose and is, is the toughest but once you've done that you can do it many, many times over managers have been sacked. but have you been down like literally where well, no, this not, all is happening we're not really allowed to be no but well, we are because we're better I, than you but yeah, yeah we, we tend to be allowed down there don't we the corridors of power I've been in mixed zones where you, it's become clear that yeah. alright actually something's gone on here it's yeah but your main concern is stress just you thinking well because you've got it you want to it's, it's, it's okay it's a big stop but then you feel a bit dirty in a way that you kind of I don't know how people perceive that when you they went, not dirty in that way when people <laughs> so see you, you turned on. and they think in a way I tried to convey the interview that I did tried to convey the fact that I wasn't taking any pleasure in this whatsoever why would I ever take pleasure in a coach losing their job and again it just made me for the first the first time I've done it it made me realise that kind of the human beings involved in it. we talk about coaches and players but the human beings and it's I thought it was really really distressing I, I didn't enjoy that one one bit it was quite unusual because it became apparent very quickly mm. within about 10 minutes of the full-time whistle that something was afoot the the Huddersfield players the the substitutes or those that had come on had gone out to do their warm down and were immediately hooked back in there was lots of right. whispering going yeah. on uh, amongst club staff in the tunnel lots of messages on phones being shown to yeah. to colleagues and, and even the, the sky floor manager who would normally be ranting and raging about the fact that a manager hadn't been bought out or nobody had been bought out for an interview was fairly calm and relaxed about it because, you know, the, the, the story was clearly, yeah, yeah. the issue was clearly going to be bigger than whether or not Christopher Schindler had come out yeah. to defend the Huddersfield performance. So it was, it was quite an unusual and, 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 you know, not often that a manager is, is sacked within an hour of a, a game finishing, no. you know, when th- there was... Um, Everton, Everton got rid of a, a manager relatively recently. I seem to recall within about an hour of full time whistle. They the yeah, sat, they sat so many managers. Louis Van Gaal was gone within about an hour of lifting the FA Cup. He was done, but he went on the train. He went on Stockport train station. Basically, yeah. I remember that there were journalists down at Stockport waiting for the train to come back, and it became clear from yeah. by the time they got to the station that he'd gone. Yeah. 
It, it, it's relatively rare that it happens actually at but the game. I'd heard yeah. the story, whether it's true or not, that actually after they lost to Lincoln in the Carabao Cup, the decision had been made then. But basically, the tactics were in place for the Fulham game on the Friday, so he was kept in right. place. But he had already been told. So maybe the the because it was very it, it, to make it was that quick after the end of the game, wasn't it? Yeah, that yeah. it seemed seemed to be so. It seemed that maybe would make some sense that the decision has already been made. It's then implemented literally then at the final whistle. You should have someone to tell. But that's what I'm yeah. saying about putting putting someone in front of the camera from the club because the fans and I think Jan and the club I felt should have just just to see on the, on the club website or on Twitter. I, I did feel that wasn't the way to handle this I really didn't and um, whether they'll do it differently in the future I, I just really felt for him um, and felt for me as well because I was put in a very difficult position a couple of weeks time when he's seen off another two or three he'll be like got another one lads what's your, uh, what's what your schedule result? from now on uh, who's next who's next I've got Bournemouth Man City no chance no, of those two right now, really yeah. uh, Newcastle Brighton to come yeah, well, a bit soon maybe for Bruce. Yeah, and Potter's doing a good job. They'll Norwich, send, send Daniel Farkas. Daniel Farkas. I tell you what, I, safe there, we can talk he? about this off air. That, yes. I like Norwich. They're fun. Norwich are fun. Have you not seen them at all? I saw them a bit last year, but you can never quite tell. What do you mean they're fun? What do you mean by fun? They're just fun. fun? Steve's making a big clock sign. We've got to go. I'm going to be in so much trouble go. with you. Chinch, excellent contemporaneous soccer story. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Uh, if you have a soccer story that can replace one when Chinch has forgotten or used up all of his. Uh, all of his available memory bank of, uh, of wonderful stories and send them to setpiecemenu at gmail.com. You can also get in touch via Twitter or Facebook. Don't forget the SPM PL, PL, PL. The SPM PL, PL. There was one too many PLs in there first time. Is your chance to win big this season if big is categorised by something of no financial value and very low posting costs. Head to tinyurl.com slash setpiecemenu to enter your teams in the order you think they will finish the Premier League before the deadline on the 30th of August. Please subscribe, share, rate and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. And thanks to Rory and to Andy and thanks to you for listening. We will be back with another set piece menu for you to enjoy very soon indeed. Do we, do we need a website? Just you and me? No. Or, oh. I mean, maybe. Yeah. But... That, that, that could be a separate That issue. could be a YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, no, like a setpiecemenu.com. Do we need that? Have we, we enough, should we have one of those? Have we enough content to put on there? Well, it's just that all the, all, all the other podcasts are going daily. They're all going daily. Daily? Yeah. Well, we can't do that. All the other we? podcasts are going daily. We get together once a week. Yes, We exactly, sort of get yeah. together once every, once every three or four weeks, to be perfectly honest. But that daily, that's daily. six times too many a week. I mean, really, we're all going it? daily. That's too much, we'd have to move to. We'd all have to move to Portugal if we were going to go daily. Agreed. We'd have to become an entourage. We'd we all have to become toys to each other yeah. to make this work. There's no way you could do Every day? No. That would be life imitating art, I'm just, just thinking, could mm. we not... Could we not they're also de- they're all building websites. Do, do we need a website? I don't want to build well, a website. Well, the way you're going on, you clearly want us to get a website. Well, Why don't you just say, don't let's sort a website don't know, out? Don't know if I want Hugh, a can website. you do it? Or, but mind you, we, we would probably wouldn't be involved in the no, development or no, because we tend no. to be... Who's the writer of the group? Who'd have to, who'd have um, to shoulder the burden well, yeah, of the I mean, content yeah, responsibility? Yeah. But what would, it, what would it be a web- website for? What's the po- I just, just wonder if, instead of a tiny URL, that's what made me think, do we, do we need like a setpiecemenu.com? Do you know what? Never, never, mind, never mind us being Chinch's toys. If we all move to Portugal, if we move mm. to Portugal, he'd throw his toys out of the pram. He certainly would. would. We could, we could, we could have a section of his soccer stories in text form, or we could, we could relive them. We could act them out. We could act them out. That'd be good. Phoenix, yeah. Phoenix from the Flames, yeah, 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 recreations yeah. of Chinch's, uh, who Chinch's would be, career. Who would highlight. be Paul Jewell?